welcome to season six of Paper Talk, where we talk about tips and tricks on navigating and building your small creative business. I'm Quinn Nguyen of Pinga Mosey. I'm Jesse Chu of Crafted to Bloom. And I'm Sarah Kim of Handmade by Sarah Kim. In season six, we'll be sharing our experiences and insights on running a small creative business from managing finances to building your brand. We'll also be interviewing other small business owners and experts in the field to get their perspectives and advice. So join us as we dive into the world of small creative businesses and help you take it to the next level. Hi, everybody. Welcome to our podcast. We're so excited to have you here. On today's topic, we're we're going to be talking about how do you do mass productions? I would say we have a lot of experience on doing mass production. I would say if you haven't been following Sarah on Instagram or TikTok where she shares, I'm pretty sure it's thousands of white peonies that you've done in the yeah. past few months. It's crazy. Yes, Tell us about your experience on this. It's funny because you also had referred me to this particular job and I had submitted a proposal, but it was with a different team. And I know you got repeat mm-hmm. business with them. How in the world, let's say, for example, one of our listeners wants to get into mass production. What would you advise them on how to get themselves ready to do mass production? I would say scheduling out is probably one of my most important things. First, you got to figure out how many flowers you could even make, like physically. And then just a good time frame for you because you could be making lots of flowers but not have enough time. And then your physical ability to make sure that your hands are okay throughout the time. So true. And I actually... Yeah, I limit myself to actually only 30, 30 flowers a day, (laughs) which is my happy number. I think there's like a happy number. And then there's like a number that you have to like stretch to make sure you're going to meet your deadline. So I try to tell them if I could only make 30 flowers a day, and I'm only working five days a week, that's like only so many flowers I could make in a time frame that they give me. Now, if you can't meet that, you could try outsourcing the labor and you could, I don't know, figure out how to schedule yourself out for that month. But a lot of these projects, I felt like they don't give me a lot of time. No, never. So I don't know how that was for you. Yeah, yeah, it's so short. And I would say one of the biggest thing is if you're about to tackle these large projects, you need to make sure you have all your supplies and materials ready to go. Because as soon as they say yes, and they gave you money, and you should never start a project without accepting a deposit. And with this deposit, I always Mm -hmm. ask for 50% of it, because you're going to be investing a lot up front. And this will help you pay your labor, all your supplies and materials that you need to get this project started. And hopefully you're going to be able to pace yourself and not overwork and just making sure that you're just well balanced. Because when you get into the world of mass production, it's very hard on your body. There's like the mentality and your family and you're just surrounded Mm -hmm. by paper flowers all the time. And it's crazy. It's like a mess. I was a tornado in my house this year because I took multiple mass production projects. And there was one I knew that we had set it out from last year that worked out really well. I was able to outsource a couple of big pieces and there was a couple of big projects. Like I would say the art firm that I did in Los Angeles, Anaheim, the convention center. I remember that. The theme was pollinator. And I had met Ashley Regan, I Bleed Heart, from the Greenwood Project in Oklahoma. I actually met her in person. I loved her. She's a super talented person. And one of her specialty is actually doing butterfly wings. She's so artistic. And one of the things that I 
do not know how to draw. I can draw stick figures. I can draw <laughs> lines and circles. I can mimic someone else, but it's, I cannot draw. I don't have the creativity of that. I think I find that really difficult and hard because when I see other artists draw and paint, it comes so naturally to them. And I really have to work really hard to replicate that and study the practice. And so I knew this project required thousands of pieces. And we started this in November and the project wasn't due until February. And I had to submit everything to the warehouse because it was going to an expo where there were all these different pieces because you're not the only player in this piece. There are people that builds out the booth. There are the supplies that brings in the product to promote the item. Your main purpose as an artist is to bring crowds into the booth. So how do you go about doing that? And there was several meetings I had with the company. What can I create that will draw in the attention? And what can I bring to the conversation to make sure that what I'm doing is aligned with what they wanted to do, their goals, and making sure that their colors and things like that was consistent. Yeah, consistent. Yeah, and cohesive to everything. Yeah, exactly. So when you were doing these massive projects, were you on the same? Did they tell you exactly what they wanted or did you have some flexibility on what to offer on the table? I don't like it when they make me come up with the idea, <laughs> especially when it comes to massive amounts of things, because I don't do the creative freedom when it comes to things. They can get very picky along the way. Mm-hmm. So I just wish they can just tell me this is the amount of number that we want. And the same thing that makes life so much easier. So thankfully, the project that I had earlier this year, it was literally just white peonies. Uh, although white does scare me as a paper flower maker, white is tricky because mm-hmm it can just look like paper. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And I tried to find like the perfect white color. I had to go through so many different white paper packets to figure out the right color for this. And then, and then we started, but thankfully that one was a very easy, they just wanted the white peonies almost identical. So it didn't really matter. Mm -hmm. I actually don't think I've worked on a project that they gave me creative freedom. And if they did, it didn't go through because it kept the delays of the design process just didn't meet up every time. So then I was like, I can't make it in time. And I actually had a conversation of this, like we had this huge Mother's Day project that I was going to do that earlier, but I ended up not going through with it because it had to do with my idea versus their idea and it didn't meet. And we were just going back and forth. And I actually ended up buying a lot of the paper in advance because it was getting so close to the time frame that they wanted. And I knew I didn't have the paper ready, mm-hmm. but I didn't sign a contract. So I was super upset. <laughs> and actually it didn't go through. So I ended up having to return the paper and And of course, like it was just my luck. I didn't read the right like store policy. I thought you could get a full refund, but in very small print, they said that they were just going to refund me on a store credit. So I was a upset over that. I know. And I had bought like tons of paper. Have you been able to use it? I actually, you know, what's really funny. I went in and then I tried to return it and they said they were going to just give me store credit. So I was like, maybe I'll just fix figure it out take it home and then I'll either return it or I'll either cut it down and use it for something else but I tried one more time with my husband going back in and they returned it so uh, it was really I was really confused yeah maybe oh, it was a different customer service person that was a little bit more flexible I, 
I'm glad I tried. I didn't give them a hard time or anything because I I did misread the store policy, so I was a little confused why they decided to just give me the refund. But I paid it online, and they actually refunded it back in cash. Oh, that's so it was awesome! A little, like a weird experience, but yeah, I would say definitely sourcing is so important. Though you need to have the paper in advance, and I only had they had contacted me about a month and a half before, and then. Like I want to say, two to three weeks in, we're still going back and forth with the design process. Yeah, and that's why I was like, I think I'm just going to buy the paper and and then, but with no signed contract. Yeah. So I've learned through that same process when we start the conversation, I mentally map out the timeline that I need and backdate it to design due date. And I'll tell them upfront if we mm-hmm. haven't made a decision and they're waffling back and forth, I just will stop the conversation and just say, just want to let you know if you want me to start on this project, I'm going to need a decision by this particular date to get this going or otherwise I will not be able to do it and you'll have to find someone else and you'll have to start this conversation all over again. It makes them really think and stop waffling and waffling because if they really want you, they will do it. And if they're waffling, they're not the right customer for you because it's going to make your life so painful. And another advice I want to give you, if you are thinking of outsourcing, make sure you pad your invoice or your proposal to refer reflect that because if they're cutting into your profit and they're cutting your timeline and you know in the back of your head, oh my God, I think I could do this myself. But if they're delaying things, I've definitely killed myself over projects where I'm like, I'm going to do it. I'll work like 16 hours a day and just bang it out, (laughs) which I've done. But I have told myself that I'm never going to do that again. And fortunately this year, I've been able to hire and pad the proposal in to make sure I do have help. But it still was a struggle. Like a lot of projects, which I forgot that people that I hire do not have the experience that I have. And of course, I can do things much easier and much faster than another person that maybe has done it not as quite as often, but they're crafty. And that's why you hire them. They're quick thinking, but they're still not going to be as fast and know exactly what you want to be done. So that's something to think about. And also think about doing things in bulk. Yeah. And both you and I, what's in common is that these companies, they there is going to be a lot of that time crunch. Yes. That time frame is always going to be just what's the problem, not us making it. Exactly. I think it's the admin part of going back and forth. Yes. So I think that's in, that's like both of us, right? Yes. Exactly. Because we are the decision maker for our company. But when someone reaches out with you with a large budget, there's a whole team behind them because that person you're talking Mm -hmm. to, they might not be the decision maker. They have to go back to their team that talks about the design. Then they have to go back and talk to the marketing team that has the budget that will pay the design team to get this done. Get it approved. Exactly. And then accounting. Let me tell you about the net pay. So you have to be very clear on your invoice when you want to be paid. A wedding planner in New York who was doing an exhibit at the Arkansas Museum of Fine Arts where they were actually getting everything sent to their New York office and they were going to take a truck and pack everything and then drive it down to Arkansas. And so as they were asking me to do this, I was like, oh yeah, I could totally send it to New York. But then at the last minute, they added more flowers. I was like, this is going to add time. And so they said, oh, you can actually send it to the museum and just miss the truck together. And that gave me another week, which was amazing. Mm -hmm. And so I was able to fulfill Mm -hmm. that, but it was just It was a killer, you guys. It was tough. It was really tough. (laughs) 
I feel like it's time, and then with the whole idea of pricing too, because of these, because these like mass production projects,、mm-hmm. it's a lot more to think about than your just regular daily purchases or orders. So, so I feel like even pricing is so important. Same thing, like you said, with the whole shipping. Like it's not. One flower that you're shipping now,、yeah. it's going to be hundreds and thousands of flowers. Exactly. But these projects are very important for paper flower makers because we do get hired a lot for these,、yep. and people love it for installations, decorations, party favors.、Uh, and a lot of these times, like they're not purchasing one; they're going to be purchasing a lot. And like you said, the whole you said you did it for a convention, like a booth, and that that's a lot of space that they have to fill with flowers. Exactly.、So、I think it's. A good market, though. Like we could get a lot of jobs doing. It's just we need to be ready to figure out the pricing, the scheduling, and、uh, how much time we have for each thing. And sadly, they don't give us a lot of time for this. No.、Like、every time I get reached out, it's always like a month、mm-hmm. max or month or two. Yeah, yeah. So true. And let's talk about packaging our flowers to get it shipped out. I feel like we always get questions like, "How do you pack hundreds of flowers?" Okay, first of all, you need to have the package. Gene. Ready on hand, and make sure you do charge the shipping and handling in the invoice because a box, yes, a good shipping box that is built properly is expensive. And this is wholesale cost of maybe, let's say, for example, I'm shipping out a lot of flowers. How do I bill out the container? How do I put everything together so they don't get squashed? I will buy flatter boxes. They're like I have one that's six inches tall. Twenty in diameter and twenty inches in length, and、oh, so that way I can lay all my flowers flat. And I will actually get a foam core board from the dollar store and poke holes, put wires, so all the flowers stay put. Because the board is longer than twenty inches, I'll cut the sides so they're flaps that will stand upright. So if the box get crushed, that foam cord is another piece that's holding up the box. Better. And then what I'll do is I will stack those boxes on top of each other, like four at a time, and tape it together. So you get one large box because our boxes, realistic, is paper flowers. They're super lightweight, and you don't want those、mm-hmm. FedEx or UPS guy throwing the boxes around because it's so lightweight. And because when you build things together, it's going to be heavier and it's going to be hefty. I oh, I want to ask you, Sarah. You know how there's a controversial <laughs> thing about do you put the word fragile on your box or not? I've heard. So many stories about both sides that I don't know what to do. I do, but I don't know. I don't know if it helps or anything. <laughs> but I do put the stickers on all of them, and but when I actually ship them out, I don't pay like for the extra fragile like, yeah, box or anything. I don't、like、either. I don't know if you yeah if, yeah, but I do put it on there just in case they. And I say this side up. Yes, but shipping though is really tricky because it does take you so much time. I thought it was going to just take me a day to just pack everything, but like you said, you're poking holes, you're making sure everything is stable. It's not going to take one day when you're making hundreds of flowers. I think it takes me a good week to just ship it out. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, definitely take time. 
I always give myself a day, but I actually have help. Oh, wow. Yeah, I can actually do it because okay. I have done it before, but I actually hired help for this really big project that I did and I show them how to do it. And then I just gave like just one job at a time. And it took with three people doing it and we're sending out thousands of flowers three people doing it, it took us about six hours to pack everything up and two cars Okay, to put everything together. Yeah. It was crazy, but it was just like a lot of work. And I'm like frantically, oh my God, we got to make this uh-huh. deadline. But it was great. You have to think about that too. Don't think that you're just going to throw it in a box. That's why it takes me one week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because you said three people, six hours. Yes, exactly. That means it's for me, it's three days. Yeah. Yeah. So make sure you add in time to box everything up. And also highly recommend this. If you can, the day before you start packing things together, do a photo video shoot day where you can play around with the flowers because this is your only chance to document these flowers before they head out the door. And most likely the clients never send you photos. They never tell you, we love the flowers. It's like a black hole that yeah. you ship it out and it's bye, never see you again. <laughs> yeah. And we never have that many paper flowers in hand no. like regularly. Never. So it is really fun to have have that type of like photo. I do take a good day to just take a lot of pictures, different videos, and then I could just use it throughout the year really because it's fun and different. Exactly. And people are more impressed when there's a lot. Yes, I agree a hundred percent. They're like, whoa. And then I filled like in my entire living room with flowers and there were so many boxes. It was ridiculous, but it was so much fun to see everything. And even my husband took a picture and shared it with his work buddies. I haven't been able to use my living room (laughs) or dining room because we've had so many people come through. (laughs) Yeah, I could imagine. I actually used to have a team a long time ago before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And it was a lot to like even manage that. But I think like you've been doing a really good job in trying to outsource that work. But when I was doing it, I was a terrible boss. I don't know how to manage people and assign the right like work to the right people. Mm-hmm. And then I think at the end, I just felt like I was wasting my money. Yeah. Really. So I like I don't know how to I guess I've never fully gone through figuring out how to pay myself for mm-hmm. the job versus paying others. And I don't know, I want to know how you figure that out. Is there like a percentage to how much you charge your client for that? Yes. Like how many people do you usually hire? Okay. So I kind of work backwards a little bit. So what I do is our Washington state minimum wage in Seattle is $15 an hour, which is quite hefty. So that's why things are a lot more expensive on the West Coast Mm -hmm. than I would say in the Midwest or even the East Coast, because there's only a few states out there right now that's $15 an hour because I want to get good quality people and I want them to come back again to work for me. I usually pay them much higher than $50 an hour. And depending on your expertise level and have you worked with me before? Or have you shown me that you're an amazing worker? I will bump up that number even higher just because I want them to come back and work for me again. Because it's hard to find right. good workers that's reliable and that's trustworthy and that are really brilliant what they do. So you want to keep that relationship going. And so to do that, you need to pay them well. So how I break this down. So when I look at a particular flower, I will make it. And now I realize instead of timing it by three times how long I make it, I will time it five times longer than what I would originally make it because the monotonous of doing thousands of flour is very trying, you guys. I had to do 150 peonies 
and they wanted kind of like the coral charm where you can see the carpels. And inside every carpel, we did ended up doing three carpels per 150 times three. That's 750 carpels. That's a lot of carpels. And it's very yeah. tiring. And you got to be very <laughs> forgiving of the workers on making them not how you create it, but they have to have a passable state. And I would say at the very beginning, when you're showing them how to do it, you have to be more forceful on saying, oh no, that doesn't look how I want to do it. And you show them an example and then you stop them. Oh no, you're making it too fat or you're making it too skinny. Or at there'll be one point when you're making so many, you're like, oh, that's fine because no one's going to see it. But you have to be at the beginning, have that quality control in place. So they have that mind that you value the quality of it, not the quantity of it. So that depends on how you're doing. And also, how much are you paying them? Are you paying them very little? Expectation goes down. So if you're paying them a lot more, Mm -hmm. expectation goes up. And that's where that control comes in. At that point, you already know how much you're paying them. If I can make a carpal or peony, let's say if I can make one peony within one hour, I'm going to expect them to make it at a much longer time, not five hours. That's unreasonable. But I will say it'll take them about maybe two hours. But the thing is, for me, it's faster if they do the monotonous piece and I will put together the flower because I know exactly how I want the flower to look. So I ended up Mm -hmm. hiring these people to do the foliages, like minoring the leaves, doing all the monotonous things so I can go in and cut the leaf to the shape that I want versus giving them a temple because it's a little bit slower. If you're cutting with a template, it's a lot slower than freehanding thing. And so what I'll do is I will just have them minor things, glue things, put the pieces that it's not visible to the eye, but it's necessary to create that flower, like the cutting. Like if you do the cricket a lot because you do cardstock, so you're feeding it. So I would mm-hmm. pay someone to feed the paper, take it off the thing. I, so that yeah. way you can put it together because you're faster at yeah. that. And having them already yeah. pre-made and pre-cut and working on those paper to cup it or fringe it. And it's a simple movement that they can quickly do. That's more valuable to me than having them create a whole flower because that takes too long. And so I ended up having people just cut the sepals because they're important, but they're not too visible, but it's necessary. And if you think about it, a sepal for a peony, there's six of them and they're various shape from round to a more diamond shape in the bottom. Plus they have these little funky leaves on the bottom. I'll have them just cut them. Mm -hmm. I'll tell them I need need 500. And there is some quality control where you want them to cut a minimum that number, but they can go over because who knows when you're cupping things might tear. So you rather have extras. And that was really helpful to have. And then you have to be make sure that you're monitoring the, to make sure that they're cutting the size you need. And just check every once in a while. Like even though you did quality control at the beginning, do it in the middle multiple times and then at the very end. And then if you're looking for them to do jobs, counting is so important. We end up counting so many times because <laughs> there were so many. <laughs> It was like making sure that we had enough pieces. So yeah, it took time to count things too. I don't know if it's for you, but for me, I actually get really like satisfied every time I count it. So it just, it's like a waste of time sometimes when I'm like sitting there counting. Yes. It's like, oh, I made a hundred. Okay. 500 more to go. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. It's very sad. Okay. I'm more than halfway through. We can do this people. (laughs) Yeah. Like I already know what the count is, but then I'm going to recount it for whatever reason. Yeah. And you never know when you're counting things that you might've miscount because when you count in the hundreds, you're going to make mistakes. <laughs> I know. And speaking of which, I love working in increments. So I Me do too. make sure everything is organized by the number. So I do it like stacks of 10 and then I'll do 25 at the end. I work in weird increments just to make sure that I'm always 
recounting the process. And especially with the petals, like I need to make sure that there's however many petals in each flower. So I make sure I count that over and over. A lot of math, huh? So much math. You never realize it until you start doing it. Oh yeah, Peony has 36 petals and you're like making sure that you cut enough. And I did find that when you're doing mass production, it's very important to have things look somewhat similar. Like you can't have variations because the client doesn't Mm -hmm. understand that each flower is unique, that you could have variation. They want it one Peony to look like the next Peony. It depends on the project. Yeah, true. Again, if it is just, but if they're going to be like on purpose the same, then you do have to make sure they are. And that's something you will have to work out with your client, make sure you're doing that correctly. Okay. There's one other thing that we should talk about. Do you send out test models of what you're making to get approval before you start the project or not? Yes. Typically they do ask for it. I, the one, actually the white peonies that I recently made, they didn't. So I was, should I have sent them a sample? Because again, they gave me such a short timeframe. So I, maybe that's why they didn't ask for a Mm -hmm. sample, but I would say to be safe, we're both on the same page. You should always send a sample before. Yeah, definitely. And make sure they pay for it too. And one thing I know that if you work with corporate clients, they usually have a corporate FedEx or UPS account. Ask for it. Don't be shy Mm. saying you're going to get a much better shipping rate than what I would do on my own because I don't ship out as much as you do. And usually they'll just give it to you and then you don't have to worry about it. I would have to say if you're working with FedEx, it's fine to have FedEx print the shipping label at the FedEx store. UPS on the other side, they have a lot of free independent UPS store that will not print corporate labels at that store. You have to go to the official UPS customer service building for them to do it. And when you're shipping out hundreds and the boxes are very bulky and large, you might not have a scale that will adequately weigh your boxes. So that's a good investment to have you guys is to definitely get a milling scale that's large. That's like at least 12 inches across that can weigh these boxes for you. Oh gosh, we need to have a episode just on shipping because there's so much information here. (laughs) Because shipping is so much trial and error too. You need to figure out how to ship and the right cost and all the sizes, all the different sizes. Yeah. And how to charge that shipping and handling cost. I feel like a lot of artists, they forget about that and they don't charge Mm -hmm. the shipping because the shipping inside the box is like, what do you add to make sure that your flowers stay safe and dry? during winter and rainy season. And I always look at the weather report. If you know you're shipping across the nation and you know that it's going to go through some hazardous weather, I'm going to spend a little bit extra time making sure I tape the outside of the box especially the corners, the seams, and just sealing those pocket areas that water or debris can get into the box. And when you open it, it, I would say it's different with corporate versus sending it to a client that's not corporate because you want it very pretty Mm -hmm. and personal when you send it to someone that's like a wedding bouquet. You want that experience of opening up to be just as special as your bouquet. Whereas a corporate, Mm -hmm. you're probably going to have some mailing room or some unpacking person just opening it and not even observing your beautiful packaging. So why waste extra packaging and time to make it look pretty when it's just going to be thrown out and not being cared about. And weatherproofing is so important because that's seriously, it's always like my nightmare. Like, oh my gosh, my package is going to get soaked and or it's going to be sitting out in the sun all day. And then I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know. I have all the worst case scenarios in my head before I ship them out. Yes. And I'm like, please let it get there safely. (laughs) 
I agree. And, and speaking of which, do you insure your packages when it comes to these bulk orders just to make sure? Because there's so many in there. I ask the client okay. and the client will either say, yes, I'll insure. Yes, I want electronic signature when it rises mm-hmm. to make sure that does come. I make sure that I have this checkoff list. When I talk to a client, I want to make sure that we shop, talk about shipping and handling. We talk about their shipping account, where we're going to charge it, the expectation. Do they want it ground? Do they want it overnight? Do they want two-day shipping? Mm -hmm. It really depends on their budget and make sure that's all clear in the front. So you and the client is not surprised by shipping because shipping is very expensive. I will tell you, I shipped out 12 boxes that were very large. Shipping alone was over $3,000. So that's something wow. to think about when you're shipping out these mass yeah. bulk. And imagine paying $3,000 out of your own pocket before you even get payment from the client. That's huge. Mm-hmm. That's why I'm like yeah. emphasizing get the client FedEx or UPS account number so they can just charge it and you don't have to worry about that payment. So the shipping and handling is the very important part where you do charge for the handling and the box because the larger the boxes, the heftier that price is. So If you buy bulk for packaging containers, it's going to be very expensive. There's usually a minimum and there's multiple companies out there. If you're being eco, I would say eco is even more expensive than regular cardboard boxes. And yes, and especially if you buy wholesale and if you're at this point doing mass production, you're going to get large boxes, break them down, save them. So you use them again. Just make sure you take all the labeling and shipping out because UPS and FedEx do not want to use that. All of that to say, I don't think it should like bulk orders should be discounted in any way no like it actually costs more way more because there's yeah you have to outsource certain things so much more supplies that you're using there's going to be a lot of trial and error Mm -hmm. it really is a big deal but I think it's worth it at the end as at least for me as a paper flower maker because this is one of those times where you can make a lot of income as a paper flower maker and I feel like a lot of the times these corporate companies have the budget for it so I say do not give a discount whatsoever. Yeah, do not. Work it out with them. See what you're comfortable Mm -hmm. with. Know what you're paying. Work out your numbers before you even start thinking about mass production. How much you're willing to pay for one rose, one peony. And think about the sizes. Think about your color palette that you have and know the suppliers that are going to supply you these supplies. Where are you going to source these? Mm -hmm. How quickly can they send it out to you if what you have on site does not meet the expectation of what you need to make this project? So that's really important to think about. I want to tell you my first wholesale experience with mass production. I think I made over maybe 5,000 flowers. Wow. I charged them $1 (gasps) flower. Oh my gosh. (laughs) And it was obviously much more simpler. And it was like 10 years ago, more than 10 years ago when I first started. And I think at the end, I was like, wait, I paid myself like 25 cents per flower because I spent so much money on shipping and boxes and packaging. Yes. And the supplies, I was like, oh, I made 25 cents. Oh, that's painful. (laughs) You live and you learn. So true. 
So true. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you have any questions about mass production, and I think you're right, we do probably need to do an episode about shipping because that's one of the most requested thing that we get from our group. And I think it's so important to talk about that. And we'll see if we can get an expert to come in. Maybe we can get like a FedEx or UPS person to come and talk about what's the behind the scene on their end. Wouldn't that be fun? Yeah. I want to talk about our favorite snacking things. So Sarah, what what are you snacking on? Probably this week, one of my favorite things was like the Kirkland guac. I swear it's really good. We just randomly decided to buy it when we were at Costco. And I swear it's better than Chipotle. Yeah. Like the guac. Uh-huh. Yeah. With some chips. What about you? We just went to the farmer's market and there was fresh sugar snap peas. And they're so sweet. And it's just so easy to wash them put it some ice over it to keep it cold and then just snack on it as I'm editing podcasts. So that's what I've been doing. Yeah, <laughs> fun. We'll see you next week with another fun episode. Talk to you soon. Bye.